popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360-degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task, but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. Hi, and welcome to this very first of 2023 podcast. I'm Will. I'm here with Consalia's CEO, Phil. In this podcast, I think we what we really wanted to talk about is the, the theme of mindset. Um, having navigated through quite a tricky 2022 there's there was a lot of kind of un, unforeseen challenges thrown at us war interest rates cost of living great resignation you know the list seems pretty long um it feels like i mean at least for me i don't know about you phil um but that well i feel like i need to take a bit of a intake of breath before before we kind of get settled into 2023 um and i guess that that's the reason why we wanted to start this year's um podcast with mindset and, and the importance of it um yeah so we're we're gonna aim to explore a few things um we're gonna aim to explore what we mean by mindset um why is it important phil has you know it's been a a subject you, I know you've been passionate about for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we learn from last year? And um, hopefully, you know, we finish off with some some useful tips and tricks about how we can prepare for 2023. Phil, so, is there anything that you would add to that? Not, uh, no. I, I mean, I think you're right. 2022 has been... Um, an extraordinary year in the context of um, fairly major unexpected incidents. And you know, the moment you think you're coming out of the pandemic uh, sort of crisis, you then, you then have Russia invading Ukraine and, um, and the effect that that had on the global um, markets, uh, the disruption to the supply chain. And it's... Um, you know, and we've kind of finished off now, uh, perhaps uh, the year with, with China now opening up, you know, um, its borders more. And 
we're kind of bracing ourselves perhaps for the next wave of different COVID strains that may impact us. So we're not quite sure what that means. But no, I, I think in, in all the time, um, you know, sort of on a serious note, I, it, all the time that I've been working uh, in, in, in my business career, which, which sort of started in, in the 1980s, I don't think I've ever experienced a year quite like the one that we had and and possibly ukraine is the you know the biggest disruptor if you like of 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 thinking uh, so, yeah so it's been yeah. incredible and uh yeah we're it's like being in a boxing rink isn't it and you sort of you have someone out there let's say un, un, unknown factors and you sort of get punched from one side and then you get slammed from another and then you're on the deck and then you have to pick yourself up and <laughs> And you're sort of wondering yeah. when the next uh, when the next punch is going to come. So. Well, I, well, is is that how you feel at the moment? Um, Are you feeling fresh, or do you oh, feel like you've no, been no, through I, a boxing I, I think, bag? I think that you know, part of me is yeah. I mean, these are problems to be solved, and you know, we've had enough cataclysmic events that we've managed to navigate in the past. I think what. Um, uh, and and so you sort of it's it's another big challenge you know i think i think that's how we're sort of viewing it um but 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 actually um, one sort of marvels is that the right word at the um uh, range of factors now that we're having to contend with yeah. um and of course within all of these things there's risks and opportunities you know and and so i think as an entrepreneur you know, you're, you're absolutely, um, I think, DNA'd and, and wired in, you know, to assessing a situation, uh, embracing it in its fullest sense, and then, you know, trying to figure out how you're going to navigate uh, navigate these uh, these waves. And I, I think the waves are just getting bigger. You know, it's uh, it's not quite the 90-foot wave, uh, you know, that you see off the coast of Portugal, perhaps. But, you know, sometimes it's difficult to see what's on the horizon. It really is. Yeah, I can. I I agree as well. But then, you know, everything you've just said, I mean, bringing it back to the, the topic of mindset, it's, it's not easy, is it? How, you know, with all these things being thrown at us, and, you know, you being a CEO, entrepreneur of a, you know, small but scaling company, how do you, you know, you must see the relevance of having a, a, a positive mindset? Yeah, and I, th I think it's great to see that there's more and more um, recognition of, of this particular concept, you know, in, in the market. And we're seeing that from you know, some of the great work that Carol, you know, Dweck has has done around growth mindset. And we're seeing it from some of the uh, articles that you get coming out of um, Harvard Business Review and, and McKinsey. And I'm sure there are many more than I've just kind of mentioned. But, um, yeah, I think that for me, so much in life is about mindset. And it's about, it's the core ingredient to help you navigate whatever's thrown at you. So I, I, I think that the, the more uncertainty that there is in the world, the more disruption, the more important this particular topic is becoming. Yeah. 
before before we started this um you know before we started this podcast i shared with you um some notes that i did just really around the history of mindset yeah they're really interesting and when i when i was um when i was looking at it and i was trying to find you know the first mention of the word mindset and where it was published and and the first time it was mentioned was back in 1909 and my initial reaction to that was wow this is this is you know in a historical context it's actually a relatively recent term but I don't know how you feel about you know the you know the fact that mindset has really only been been around since the start of the 20th century and actually it's not really uh, until the 70s where you you've already mentioned Carol Dweck that we see a, a real focus on mindset yes I think when when I saw you you sort of um saw that you had done some further study on it, it it's quite interesting um and yeah that's that is very recent if you see that in the context of of history and um and, and it would be very inter interesting to study this from the perspective of um uh, why was it in two, you know 1909 that this word was for the first time maybe coined or mentioned uh, mm. and i i'm not sure that i'm in the, in the right place to kind of um answer that question but perhaps you have more more information from your studies you know how did it come about do you know well it was mentioned in Cooley's paper where he tried to um attempts to understand what motivates man um and society and how they can be more responsible for each other and, and so it was within that context that mindset was mentioned um but really it it wasn't it didn't become a significant subject matter from from my brief understanding until until Carol Dweck um you know Carol Dweck really paved the way um for industry it's not even industry it's education it's sports it's work it's kind of almost every part of human endeavor um was recognized how important mindset was and um you know, Carol Dweck has been instrumental. Um, and really, it's about, you know, she mentions the importance lies with how we think about our talents and abilities. And it is that train of thought that I think has led us um, into this kind of more modern era. Um, yeah, I think, I think, um, I, I, I think absolutely right. I mean, we see that it, you know, so many of the, um, you know, research papers that our students are actually producing that they quite often refer to Carol Dweck and this growth mindset. And I think we need to, I, I think we need to recognize in what she's done there um, is, is its, its attitudes to, um, attitudes to learning and self-development. I mean, that's the one that she's really focused on. And unless you have that right mindset, the way you start to problem solve and the way you start to deal with some of the disruption in the world is going to be challenged. Um, so yeah, we, we owe a lot um, to Carol uh, Dweck by sort of mainstreaming that particular concept and, um, you know, it touches upon psychological safety. It touches upon um, 
uh, sort of fixed versus open uh, open minds as well. So it's uh, yeah, it was a great piece of work that she did. Um, but there have been you know many other you know other very influential uh, people who've written about it. I mean, one of the people that really really inspired me when I was doing my research was Howard Gardner, where he he wrote this book, Five Minds for the Future. And he started to make the link between mindset and values and belief systems. And yeah. uh, and he also was operating in the educational space about what is it that we should teach uh, people, you know, to learn at school. And, um, and, uh, and, and that really, yeah, that really had a quite a big effect on me in the sense of what do we need to teach salespeople, you know, about mindset and trying to codify it within the frame of selling, which, uh, which Howard Gardner and Carol Dweck hadn't done. Yeah. It's interesting. I think even the, when we talk about mindset, it's, it might be quite useful to, to really clarify what we mean by it. Because I, I remember the first time, I think it was in the master's program, um, where we were talking about mindset. My initial reaction to it was, well, you either you either really have a positive or a meg- negative mindset within a given situation. And actually, I didn't understand truly the depth that one needs to go to to, to really get the topic of mindset until now. Um, so maybe... Maybe you could talk about um, what, yeah, what we mean by mindset. Well, I think your first comment is right. I, th- I you know, I think that when you, um, what, you know, and, and, and we've done this on quite a number of occasions. When you, when you ask the question, what's more important, is it mindset or skill set? You know, what would you rather have in terms of your 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 sellers, if you like? Um, and invariably, the the answer comes back with this word mindset, but it's used as a in a rather all embracing way. Um, so, so um, you know, what exactly do you mean by mindset? And then, and then it's then you start to you know to uh, to peel away some of the layers. And quite often, when people talk about mindset in the sales context, they talk about resilience. And, you know, that mental toughness and you need to have, you know, de- deal with the buffets of, of um, buyers who don't want to buy your products and tough targets. And, you know, they tend to sometimes see resilience as being, you know, the key uh, superpower, if you like, of salespeople. Um, yeah. But, but I, you know, I think what we've done is we've taken this notion of mindset much deeper. Um, and uh, linked it back to values and belief systems. And, and you know, we've obviously got an enormous amount of customer data on, on what they look for as well. And so uh, I think it's, it, it's too easy just to use that word in an all-encompassing, yeah, we've got to have people with the right mindset. We need to know specifically what are the mindsets that we're actually going to drive uh, sales performance and really understand the interconnectivity between mindsets and behaviors. Um, and I think that's the journey that we've been on. You know, if you can get the mindsets right, we know that we're going to get the right result. But exactly what are the mindsets that you need to get right in order to maximize performance? 
Yeah. And that is a very meaty subject. It is. Um, yeah. I, you know, I remember you actually asking me once, well, what are, what are your values? <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you've never been asked that question before, it's one of those reflective questions. You can spend a lot of time trying to understand what your values are um, and, and what's actually shaped those values and yes. therefore how you... And therefore, how you act in any kind of given situation, which is, I guess, what we, you know, what we mean when we talk about mindset. Um, and it's really important because, as you say, if you understand your values and belief systems, then you can understand how you might respond in any kind of given situation or circumstance. You're absolutely right. I think it becomes, it helps you better predict how you are going to perform in any given situation. Uh, if you understand what are the under, you know, the underpinning mindsets that drive the way you do things, um, yeah. and so much of that is linked back to values and beliefs, and and this is the work that Howard Gardner did so well. He connected the word mindset to values and and um, and lived values in particular. Uh, you know, like you said um, earlier, you know when. When you ask people the question, what are your values? You often get some sort of glib uh, answer and people haven't really thought about it. But the mm. process that you need to go through to really understand uh, what those are, in both in a personal, I think, and a work context, is, yeah. uh, I think, really important. And, and, and a lot of it is, is going through a process of defining what makes you you and mm. digging deep on that topic. It's, I mean, I've always, you know, taken it when I when I go through kind of Gibbs reflective cycle and things like that, and I try and make um, I try to try and make meaning out of experiences in order to make sense of what I'm doing. Um, I think that is for me. That's where kind of how mindset is formed. Um, does it? You know, you try and let me just put it a different way. So throughout, you know, throughout your life, both both in a work and a personal context, um, everyone experiences different things. Everyone is unique in the kind of experiences that they have. They drive meaning from those experiences that they've had over time, which then feeds into their values and belief systems that then will um, feed into how they respond to certain um circumstances etc which then ultimately um will drive behavior and that can encapsulate mindset does yeah. that yeah does, I, yeah so it starts off so it starts off by doing doesn't it is is you kind of take it all right the way back to the very first steps you know in life and try and derive meaning for every action you you take i mean that's that's certainly um uh, probably the most accurate way of figuring out what they are, you know, by going to those pivotal moments in your life and then and then uh, looking at, you know, the you know what happened and the consequences of what happened and how you felt at the time and all the things you described that you would go through using, um, yeah, the Gibbs reflective cycle. Um, and I think it, I, I think you mentioned an. Um, uh, another interesting comment there, which was around um, 
actions. You know, you, 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 so, so, uh, it, you know, where, you know, are we born with the values that, that, that we have, you know, um, uh, oh, and that's is, a really good question. Uh, so I, I, I'd love it if someone could, <laughs> could, could share some, maybe some papers on this, but from the way I understand mindsets, you are not born with values. Yeah, that's right. Your, you, value, you, you, your values are yeah, yeah. developed through your own experience. Yeah. That's and the environment in which you, yeah, your own experiences, the environment in which mm. you live, and absolutely right. And I think that there are two really uh, interesting dimensions to this. Sometimes people confuse personality with mindset and values and beliefs, and the two are quite quite different. Um, personality is often something that is innate and 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 probably if you know if we if we take um young children you see different personalities emerging from a very young age and i'm, I'm sure you've got personal experience of this through your own of course situation and and actually if you were to look at that person 20 years later you are going to see that you know those, those personality traits so 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 in your situation i'm sure you're going to find that francis is going to be one of the great singers you know, he's going to be in a band and he's going to be out there dancing his way through life. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, but yeah. but but personality, I do believe, um, is something that is very early um, sort of developed. Um, and I don't think personality gets to change much throughout life. But values, yes, uh, we, we are not born with values. They, they come as a consequence of our family, our upbringing. And the, the, the good news about, about values, I think, is the fact you can change them. You can, you know, you can switch. And, and you can see this. Uh, I mean, let's take an extreme example of a religious experience. You know, you, 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 know you, you can see situations where people who have not been believers, you know, in, in a God, you know, completely flipping within, within a short moment um, and mm. adopting a whole set of other values and beliefs based on that, that pivotal moment. Um, uh, so, so uh, and I think that's the very positive thing about, about development and how we develop as people is that if we can codify you know, the values and systems we want to sell or we want to lead salespeople or be as a person, if we really give that deep thought, then there's every reason to believe that we can actually then start to work on what it takes to deliver that in, in action and behavior. Yeah. But in the early stages, we're not consciously thinking of it. And so where, like you say, you know, we go through these pivotal moments in life and you sort of reflect on them and you use that to understand the person you are, which is, I think, where yeah. the starting point is. You really do need to understand the process of how values and belief systems are developed before you can then start to change them. And I'm, yeah, I mean, go if we take... Um, go back to to Dweck. I know I keep referencing Dweck, yeah. um, but there was something that really stood out for me there as well. Because there's, you know, you 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 gain your mindset through your experience, but but there could be external 
um, factors like you, you, I think you mentioned it, your environment that can ha- ha- also have an effect on mindset to you as an individual. And I'm just thinking now in the context of work and, you know, I think we've all experienced um, good and bad bosses through our careers and things like that. And, and the importance of understanding um, praise and, and labeling, for example, mm. So a boss might say to you at one point, you're really bad at this. Yeah. And now your mindset might think, okay, I'm I'm just really bad at that. I'm not gonna try it. You know, okay. that's I'm gonna write off putting myself in that that sort of situation again, because once ten years ago a boss told me that I was really bad at it. Um yeah. or you know, or labeling, um, saying, for example, she uses this examples, this example in education, um, in a class, she, she told, um, a student, you're really smart. Yeah. Now that leads to a mindset that can put an undue pressure on a student, because if they don't understand something, then they assume they're stupid. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, there's an expectation that they're always going to have to be smart and they've always got to be at the top yeah. of the class. And little is actually um, focused on the process. Yeah. The process of, of learning and the process yeah. of self-improvement is something that should be uh, praised and engaged with, not the, not sort of the end results. And, and so I think, I think in, uh, in a kind of, professional sense and certainly in a sales sense and certainly on the back of 2022 when when things haven't been easy um it's having the right mindset and having um managers engage with their teams in the right way to support them through really turbulent times it's really critical it is yeah you remind me of something that um that uh um, I've seen a, a while ago, which I, but I, I, I truly believe this happens. You, you can develop what, what's called negative, you can have negative or positive circular belief systems. So you take something that happened that didn't go well, you feel vulnerable, vulnerable about it. You feel very conscious of what it is you've got wrong. And then, and then what you're doing is you, you look for other situations which support that feeling. Yeah, like I'm not very good at maths or I'm not very, you know, it could be something like this. I've never been good at maths. Yeah. So every time you find it difficult to do a multiplication, it's kind of reinforcing that particular idea or, or belief system. And then and then then you come back to, um, well, yes, I know I'm not very good at it. Yeah, because I again, I botched this up. And then you go into this sort of negative loop and what happens is that negative belief then becomes bigger because you are you're not looking at uh, so you're not looking at the signs which show that perhaps you are quite good at maths you know maybe you've been in a shop and you've checked the change that someone's given you and you've and you've figured out that they haven't given you the right check you know you, you your mindset is not looking for positive reinforcement you're looking for negative reinforcement and of yeah. course if that escalates then that's a sort of terrible situation to have the converse is positive. You know, I'm good at sport. Therefore, I will put myself in situations where I can, 
you know, get the dopamines or whatever that, you know, comes from being good at doing something. Um, and you test yourselves and you find that in those tests, you look for signs of positive improvement and then you go through the opposite. So I think that the, um, the role that managers have is absolutely crucial in being able to um, uh, understand the psychological impact of, of reinforcing both positive and negative behavior. And it feeds absolutely into values and belief systems um, yep. that we've been talking about because those values and belief systems are heavily affected by your manager and by the environment in which you work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, yeah. Ultimately, if, if what governs behavior is a set of predetermined values and beliefs, it, it is really important that yeah. the way you're managed uh, the way that you as an individual can be self-aware of, you know, where where and how you're operating in, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's just a really crucial element that I think should be brought to the surface more often. It is. And I, I don't think it's brought to the surface often enough in sales because, you know, sales is all about reaching targets and, 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 uh, and, and figures and, I don't think there's enough time spent actually um, exploring uh, the lead the the lead uh, indicators that 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 will actually lead to future success. And and so I think managers can sort of get blindsided, you know, partly by this pressure to you know to hit targets and sales results to to even have values and belief systems on their radar screen. <laughs> yeah. Yet it's such a, an important uh, indicator of of um, action is is understanding what those values and beliefs are. Well, absolutely. I mean, let's let let's think about sales now. Um, you know, I think we've we've explored how important mindset is, but if we narrow the the parameters, as it were, to focus really into the importance of, of mindset within sales as an industry um yeah i think it would be i'll be i think it would be interesting to to know what you know we mean by mindset from a consalia point of view i uh, i think you've mentioned as well how important it is for salespeople to um you know the pressures they're under that there's not enough time to like focus on mindset and actually know perhaps we need to think more about that how can we how can we support people going you know reaching their targets giving them the space to think i mean there's all sorts of um there's all sorts of questions you've asked in there why don't we why don't we take a step back let's uh let's let's focus on why is mindset important for salespeople in particular because it's important to customers okay that's 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 it. You know, customers, when customers buy from someone, they are looking for the underpinning values and belief systems that their salespeople have. And that, that, that's the, and they know, and they know what sort of mindsets that they look for. In fact, they recruit salespeople according to a set of mindsets, which, uh, 
they know will help them achieve what they need to do inside their own organizations. Um, so for me, uh, so many of these, the answers is is not driven, you know, by the salesperson necessarily or by the manager. It's actually, it starts with the customer. And I think that's the area of research that we've, you know, spent so much time trying to define from a customer angle. You know, what are those core mindsets, values, belief systems that drive success? And, you know, I know that this was the basis of your doctorate research about what customers are looking for. Yeah. Um, for any new listeners, I'm sure we have many that already know what these are, but for any new listeners, um, could you briefly describe what the mindsets customers are looking for are? So the, um, yeah, the four key mindsets were, first of all, authenticity. And this is around, you know, believing that the person that um, is selling to them across the desk is is being authentic in, in what they do. Um, that involves uh, integrity and it involves um, transparency and uh, trying to uh, and, and knowing that that salesperson is is governed, if you like, by a code of ethical sales practice that that is genuine, you know. So, uh, and that's based upon the fact that so many salespeople have um, that so many salespeople have have missold to customers before. Uh, the perceptions that customers have of salespeople are not that positive. Uh, and so we need to be really conscious when we go into you know, thinking about the way we're doing our pitches and the way we're engaging with customers, that we understand the context of the world in which they are living in, which has been influenced by salespeople before you. So authenticity is, is, is in, incredibly important. And the word authenticity um, is... Uh, it also means original. It, it, you know, it comes from being, you know, the, um, you know, the the author of a book. You know, it's it's, and so the reason why we chose authenticity and not integrity was because we wanted to also encapsulate the sense of uniqueness in an individual. You know, you you're not cloning. You're not a clone. You're not coming in with a predetermined sales script and predetermined a way of selling. You know, we we want to deal with people. Um, the second one is around client centricity, and I think this, of course, is a no-brainer. But um, but clients, uh, suppliers, or customers are, are are amazed at how little salespeople invest in the time to really getting to know their business and really understand, you know, what their own challenges are. Um, and so, client centricity is really important. And authenticity and client centricity together build trust. And if you don't have trust, then that foundation block, it becomes very difficult uh, to follow through with the next two mindsets, which are much rarer in salespeople, according to customers, uh, yet much desired by customers. And these are proactive creativity. You now it's coming up with ideas that maybe the customer hasn't thought of. Um, it's that uh, clever problem solving skills that you may possess. Um, but it's also, um, acting with authority, having authority. And we, we talk about this in, in tactful audacity, which, which is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorites of the four, if you like, it's, 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 um, having the tact to be bold, 
you know, tactful audacity is the art of knowing how far to go without going too far. And customers want this. They want to be challenged. They want uh, they want some edginess in the relationship, and um, because it's uh, in the edginess of a relationship that you start to see what people's passions are and what they really believe is important. So these are the four. Uh, in a very quick uh, a very quick summary of the four. Um, no, that's great. And um, so I just. At the start of the at the start of 2022, around February, we um, we developed a survey tool, the sales mindset survey tool, um, and I thought it would be a good point to to share uh, what these results are with you. Yeah. So in total, so we launched it in February. We took the results in in in, de- in December, and uh, around 288 around. 288 people uh, did did the survey, and these are salespeople from uh, some of the world's largest organizations, as, as well as you know individual sales um, people from very small organizations. So it's a very broad uh, range of respondees. I'll read read out the the percentage results. Um, against authenticity, client centricity, proactive creativity, and tactful audacity. But bear in mind that the the top, the winner's circle, um, is anyone who's over 80%. So authenticity came in at 63%, client centricity at 79%, proactive creativity, 69%, and tactful Dusty at seventy one percent. So I'll just pause there mm. and let those results kind of sink in a little bit. Um, at first glance, what do you take to be the meaning of these results? Well, in some ways, I was I was quite encouraged by 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 that perception, that self perception um, that uh, that that if you took the average, we're not in the winner's circle. So there's a kind of recognition that there's work, uh, that there's work to be done. Um, and the, the, the one area that surprises me is, is the lowest area, which is around authenticity. You know, I, de- mm. I, I can't quite make out yet why that figure is where it is. And I can only think that it's because salespeople, when they complete this survey, are kind of thinking that they are perhaps using some form of uh, limited, um, some form of manipulation. And it could be quite subtle, not necessarily telling customers all the things they should be telling them about a product or service or, um, or in the interest of actually closing a deal in the next quarter in order to hit a target, you know, they will perhaps uh, cut some corners and, and maybe do things that are not necessarily in the interest of the customer. So it could be this tension between doing things that are right for the customer and doing things that are right for the company that employs you. Or it could be around you wanting to earn a certain amount of income if you're commission-based. That's going to drive a certain type of behavior. But a recognition that that behavior is what you're exhibiting um, so I think yeah. that that from a self-awareness point of view is is, is really quite interesting. Um, and I think that's positive because it, it shows 
um, you know, it shows that, yeah, self-awareness. Uh, it's quite interesting to compare those results to the results of customers also uh, and how they perceive salespeople. I don't know if you want to go into any of those those kind of figures because the figures are are fairly uh, are fairly consistent I think with the perceptions of salespeople with the exception of authenticity so um if I extrapolate the data that we've got from customers actually completing the survey about specific salespeople you know, we've got tactful audacity, which is yeah, is almost the same. Proactive creativity, seventy-one percent, seventy percent, seventy-eight percent for client centricity, seventy-three percent for authenticity. And that's quite interesting because you know customers obviously are not seeing you know compared to salespeople such a low score for authenticity. Um, but I I just want to make one comment: mm. is that these are yeah. averages, and. When you start to look at averages and you don't look at individual scores, you don't see the incredible variance. So you've got salespeople who absolutely score well into the winner's circle yeah, across these, uh, these mindsets, as seen by customers and as seen by salespeople. Um, but you've got some that are nowhere near. And I think this is where it becomes interesting is when you start to look not so much at average, but the range of scores that actually contribute to the average. Um, and uh, and the, with, with the kind of um, results from my doctorate survey, we, came, we found that less than 10% of salespeople actually sell in a way that customers want, according to the value constructs that we've been looking at here. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, statistics can tell you different things, but, you know, it's, it's really interesting now to sort of compare the data. And the, and the other trend, maybe just to mention it at this stage, is it, it, in almost all situations, the customer's perceptions of salespeople isn't quite at the same level as how salespeople perceive themselves. In the sense that they see them better or worse than how the salespeople see themselves? They tend to be worse. Right, okay. And not to, not to drive a, a downer, but the, the values, the, the kind of if, if the positive sales mindsets are authenticity, client centricity, proactive creativity, and tactful audacity. Um, the mindsets that customers don't want to see in salespeople, I think. Yeah, those uh, are, yeah, I've mentioned manipulation, which is the counter yeah. to authenticity, supplier centricity as the counter to client centricity. Then you've got complacency, um, counteract is the counteract, if you like, to proactive creativity. And then you've got overt arrogance as the counter to tactful audacity. Um, yeah. And so those are the those are the the sort of values or mindsets that they often see in salespeople, but really don't don't like. And of course, they're they're shades of grey. You know, as we start to look at, you know, how how would you perceive yourself on that sort of um, line between being authentic and manipulative? You know, but you know, for me, it's it's been quite an interesting journey also to see the correlation. You know, between the sales mindsets that we've talked about, the positive sales mindsets and business performance, 
um, because at the end of the day, yes, they they sound great, but you know how you know what proof do we have that they actually deliver performance? And again, that was part of my doctoral research, and we managed to work with some amazing, you know, an amazing control group with salespeople around uh, Europe um, in particular. And uh, we're able to see quite significant increases in sales performance if these values and mindsets are lived by salespeople. Uh, uh, and uh, and so this is what has made us embark on this amazing journey you know, that started yep. 14 years ago or so now, uh, maybe more, uh, into what we've now developed. And I think what we're what we're saying is a growing body of research, aren't we? Yeah, that that, that's, that really highlights. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, you're quite right. You know, when uh, I know that when I was when I was doing my research, um, uh, there was a Harvard Business Review article on provocative selling. You know, as being the key now to getting results, and you've got to be a provocative seller. And uh, I, I really. It wasn't convinced that that was a particularly right word to use because, you know, it's got certain negative connotations. Uh, and then shortly after that, there was the book, The Challenger Sale, you know, which came out that talked about, you know, different types of sales personas. And they, they talk about the challenger persona, which you could link perhaps to tactful audacity or indeed proactive creativity. When that book came out in 2011, for me, it was a kind of an endorsement of a lot of the research that we'd done, you know, that, you know, you could be the one person that comes out with a brilliant idea. Uh, but unless there's a body of work that supports that notion, um, then, um, you know, kind of very you want, you know, you need to have a movement going on. And so I think in those early stages, there were a group of people that were beginning to explore mindset. And, mm. uh, and, and actually, you know, rather than seeing the challenger sale as a competitor, if you like, uh, to what we were doing here at uh, Consalia, I saw them as a partner. And indeed, we've worked together across Asia on, on many interesting projects uh, with the challenge group um, as well. So yeah, but more recently, I think we're seeing more evidence that this mindset is coming into the lexicon of the business practice. I've, well, absolutely. I, I, and I think you'll be pleased to know, I, I did scan through the the latest Harvard Business Review, and there's an article in there um, around the, the importance of values and values alignment. Um, so gone is the kind of the article you read when you were doing your research um and now it's now it seems to be around aligning values um individual values with strategic values um and there's a there's a growing body of ev evidence that this leads to you know higher job satisfaction lower turnover better teamwork better um communication productivity and interestingly um diversity inclusion and, and equity in businesses as well so i think the i think maybe you were just before your time phil and actually you know now now people are recognizing how crucial mindset yeah. is but how crucial values are and and you have to go deep with this subject um but 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 the benefits to organizations can be really Massive. quite significant yeah no yeah i think companies have always well, quite often had 
you know, um, charts on the wall that talk about, you know, what the key values are of the business. And but but I think that has been treated with a huge amount of cynicism also internally. So I think it's important to differentiate the concept between values and lived values. And I think mm. this is where the authenticity, you know, is did to what extent are we paying lip service to something? It's simply a charter on the wall of an office or something that you really believe in. And I, I think that we've really got to go into those core belief systems that we've talked about earlier to really yep. crack, you know, we've really got to crack that code. And and uh, that's not easy to do because that often implies a sort of cultural shift. And we all we, we know how difficult it is to change culture. You know, it's it's a massive thing. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's great uh, to see, you know, when you've got people like Columbia Business School and Harvard and these other organizations now openly talking about it and sort of coming up with their own methods of codification. That's all, I think, helping fuel an environment that this now is becoming uh, mainstream. And I, I just want to mention in the context of sales research and where the predominant academic research has been, it's not been with values. It's been with behavior. And it's, uh, you know, if we look and, 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 and it's been a, um, a self-fulfilling uh, result of papers written in the 1960s about behavior and how important and, and, and they're the two different models that, that were preeminent and still are, so, the SOCO model of behavior and ADAPT as two different behavioral constructs. And quite often you find academic research is, is using those as reference. I don't think that's the right reference. I think the right reference is around the core values and belief systems that underpin behavior. And I also think it's important to define it through the lens of customers, not through the lens of what salespeople believe to be important. Yeah. And I, I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? I think values it does. drive behavior. You should start with the values. Yeah. Um, I recommend anyone listening to to look up Cortagan's onion as well. I love, um, uh, yeah, I love Cortagan's <laughs> onion. I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. It's, it's sort of peeling away the layers of the onion to get at the core, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. And, and all of the things that need to be aligned in order to get, um, a shift in culture, you know, it's, it's about the core, it's about the mission identity. It's about values and beliefs, behaviors, and how mm. they link with the environmental environment, you know, if, if there's any one of those out of sync, then you've got a mismatch, yeah. and that's that's a great work of Cortagan. And I also I also totally agree with the the point you mentioned about start with your customer. I mean, we we we've experienced it during our work at Consalia that to implement change is so difficult, but when you start hearing how your customers want you to behave, that can be a real kernel um, to drive change yeah. within organizations. It, it, it really is um, impactful to yeah. get that I could, kind of feedback. I could never understand why there was so much focus on things like NPS, you know, the Net Promoter Score, which is a measurement of service performance typically. And there was nothing mm. around sales performance. Using a using a similar scoring system, I just and yet 
we know how difficult it is to sell and we know how important it is to sell. And if we don't sell, we don't get the service. So, so why start at the back? Why not start at the front? Why, why, why not put your investment in really getting to understand what are the values and, and belief systems that customers want? And then make sure and measure the way that you're able to align your selling strategy to what the customers want. Doesn't that make sense? But it's staggering how little focus is made on that. Uh, uh, you know, it's not been possible to do until until more recently with things like the mindset survey that we have that can provide yeah. that measure. It's an interesting thought, and I'm now starting to think how how we could do that. <laughs> you, come on, Will. I, I'm sure you'll come you, come up with some new ideas, and Eddie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'll think about it. Um, so I guess as we, you know, as we come towards the end of the podcast, um, are there any kind of any pieces of advice that you'd wish, wish to pass on or recommendations as we start 2023 to how organizations can engage with their salespeople or even their customers now? considering what you've just said? Well, I think we've p perhaps sort of given some of these uh, these thoughts um, already. But, uh, you know, one is, you know, the importance of, of customer and keeping the customer engaged. I mean, we talked earlier on about the VUCA world and, you know, how much is changing. And they need salespeople. You know, they need people to engage with them in a, in a constructive, positive way. You know, they need the salespeople to be able to um, to leverage their, their their knowledge of products and services to bring value to them. Um, so, so ask the ask customers the question: How how do you not what do you want us to sell you, but how do you want us to sell to you? Um, and so that's something that's a really good starting point. And the other is something you mentioned right at the very beginning. You know, which was Take a deep dive on yourself and who you are. And you could do a light version of this. You know, you can go and, and take sort of values assessments and with predetermined words. But I think what you described earlier on is the better way to do it, which is really do a, you know, go back into history, look at those pivotal events, uh, you know, really reflect on them as a means of you being better able to understand why you act in certain ways and that will tell that will inform what your your core values are um read the book selling transformed you know there's an awful lot in the book about the process through which you can start to to look at this with some amazing examples of how salespeople have used these values and mindsets to to close you know really interesting deals and so on mm. Um, so I think the you know those 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 key things uh, I think will be a great place to start and relatively inexpensive you know place to start you know beginning that sort of exploration you know make it one of your New Year's resolutions to actually go out there and really study it and and mm. and, and I think you'll find going back to Cortek and the more layers of the onion you unpeel you're going to learn new things about yourself that perhaps you hadn't discovered before 
and uh, that can't be a bad thing. Yeah, and I think I think the you know going back to the importance of mindset, and as we start twenty twenty three, the the thing that I reflect on a lot is is being comfortable within the unknown. You know, um, yeah, shifting your mindset from having to be in control from having to know everything to to challenging that to things are shifting so much it's about how you can learn how you can how you can stay on top of things how how can you um how can you continuously adapt and change and and, and learn during your role um and i think the, those are qualities that that will actually stand us or stand me in good stead for 2023 yeah I think it's um, yeah. I mean that's that is. I love the book, The Ambiguity Advantage. You know, written by David Wilkinson, where you know he talks about um, the the new uh, fourth mode of generative leadership that's required, and he talks about ambiguity and embracing this discomfort of not knowing is is it, you know relates a hundred percent to what he was had had researched and uh, and also. Um, sort of recognizing that necessarily you don't have all the answers, but you know through collaboration and working with other people, you're going to more likely, you know, sort of coming up mm. with uh, uh, with different uh, solutions. Um, so yeah, I think I think that um, you know this, you know, and again it comes back to uh, Carol Dweck, doesn't it, and the growth mindset and the way in which you look at the world at large and you know, seek to better understand, you know, how to cope within this new world. So I think, yeah, I, I take, yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great term. And I can relate that to that, you know, almost every month you come into the office, there's a, there's another curveball that you hadn't been expecting. And, yeah. you know, it's just business as usual, really. But I just want to talk about critical reflection, because I think for me, one of the most important skills and we teach this particularly on the master's programs um that we have is this ability to be able to problem solve uh in a critical way and you know this is um you know this you know this helps you deal with the you know the complicated or straight complex issues that might be out there that 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 we have to solve um but for me this is one of the core competencies that we need to have it's not so much a mindset, it's a competence to be able to problem solve in a certain way. So I think critical reflection is one of the, you know, the the key skills you need to have, um, which will help, uh, uh, which will help you problem solve, look for new opportunities. It speaks to client centricity as well as uh, yeah. uh, proactive creativity. I think it's very com uh, complementary of each other. It is, um, yeah. Because critical reflection is is driving meaning from experience. Yeah, it is. But and that then feeds into mindset, doesn't it? Yeah, to it totally does. And and it's also, you know, it's it. Yeah, it's also um, not rushing. You know, it's not. You know, because the whole process to critically reflect properly takes time. You know, you can't. You don't rush in with a solution too quickly. And I think salespeople often find themselves in this relentless treadmill um, 
of, uh, you know, moving at pace uh, where you simply don't have time to think. Uh, and so, yeah, if I was looking at, you know, various superpowers, if you like, to help fuel our cell in the way the customers want, you know, it would definitely include critical reflection uh, yeah. and, and also probably resilience because I, I think that is something which is becoming more important as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. So give yourself time to reflect, to understand. Yeah. I think, you know, in the long run, that's going to be... It's yeah. that wonderful quote from Secret. Einstein, isn't it? Sort of give me a, you know, if I had an hour to save the world, you know, I'd just spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes coming up with the solution. I think that's so true. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else you'd like to to add? No, I think it's uh, it's been it's been great to kind of reflect on this topic, like you said at the very beginning. You know, particularly in the context of the world in which we uh, uh, which we live. Um, so no, I think it's been uh, it's been a great start to two thousand and twenty three. Yes, and if I was just to um, if I if you don't mind, I'll take the last comment. If I could summarize our conversation, um, I would say mindset is incredibly important important to understand your own mindset but also to understand the mindset of other people in your team um as you're working on potentially you know strategizing for the next year try and try and understand how you can really align um those key values to to that strategy you might be working on um as it should resonate with those people in your team so again, it's it, being aware and dry, and aligning mindsets to strategic goals. I think is um, is really really important. And then assess assess for the mindsets, which um, I think we've we we dropped a couple of plugs in there for our sales mindset survey. But um, you can visit it at uh, consalia dot com. It's on the top right hand side of the page and it doesn't take longer than 10 minutes to do it and we would love to see you know this time next year uh, a progress in the sales mindset results that we collect thank you will it's been great talking to you and you thanks phil thank you